Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Celtic View podcast. It's another busy week for the champions, both domestically and in Europe, and we'll be looking ahead to those fixtures shortly. I'm delighted once again to be joined in the podcast studio by my Celtic View colleague, Tony Conley. Good to have you, Tony. Thank you. Good to be here. And now a regular on these podcasts. You've done so well that we keep asking you back. Craig Johnson, our Head of Digital Marketing. Craig, good to see you and hear from you again. Hiya, Paul. Good to be here. Now, coming up on today's podcast, we're obviously going to be looking ahead to the Rosenberg game, and we'll hear from Callum McGregor about that. There's also a small matter of Kilmarnock at Rugby Park at the weekend. We'll have a look at the Celtic View highlights this week, but we'll also look back to a momentous goal-scoring achievement of recent times. Lee Griffiths, who last week signed a four-year contract that will extend his stay at the club till 2022. He's the main interview in this week's Celtic View. Of course, he's the latest Century boy for the club, only the 29th player to score 100 goals or more. And we'll start the podcast by hearing from his interview with Celtic TV's Jerry McCulloch. Griff, we've got you for another four years. We're delighted. How do you feel? Oh, I'm over the moon. You know, it's been a long time coming. I think, you know, the talks have been got ongoing for a while now and I'm, I'm so glad to get over the line. Yeah, does it, does it just give you that extra feeling of, of security at knowing that not only where you're going to be for the next four years, but that it's going to be here. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the main aim, you know, to be here for as long as I can and for Celtic to show that faith in me to, to sign me for another four years and ecstatic. Yeah, what, what does it tell you? How much sort of pride do you feel? I mean, obviously it tells you that the, that the manager's happy with what, with what he sees. Yeah, of course, you know, from the moment I, w- I walked in the door here, you know, this is where I want to be for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I've been here you know, three and a half years already and you know, to be signing on a four-year deal, it's great, and you know, I can't wait. You know, taking it to the end of the four years—that's a—that's a long time for a professional footballer to be at the one club. You must feel that there's a special connection between yourself and Celtic now. Yeah, of course. You know, it's it's a great club. You know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You know, I had the opportunity to move, but you know, I want to stay and fight for my place. And you know, I've been rewarded with another deal. You know, knowing that you know, I'm going to be here for another few years now. It's great. I can't imagine you would want to be anywhere else because you've been here through some incredibly successful times. You must be desperate to, to witness some more. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's, there's been a lot of highs, you know, some lows, but, you know, more highs than lows and, you know, hopefully there's a lot more highs to come. Yeah, I mean, those memories of, you know, Invincibles and then double treble on top of the bus as well. You must just be thinking, yeah, I want to taste more of that. Yeah, definitely. You know, they were, the, they were some very, very good highlights and hopefully, like I say, in the coming years, there's a lot more to come. Griffiths, of course, uh, scored 100 goals, that goal against Seduva, which made him the latest century boy, and then he signs that four-year contract. And Craig, it's, it's been a great couple of weeks for Lee Griffiths. He'll obviously just want to continue that by, by scoring more goals, but it, that target of getting 100 goals was something that he'd been focusing on for so long. I'm sure he's relieved as, as well as delighted to have got it out of the way. I think so. It's, it's taken him a wee while to get there. I think he's been his opportunities have been hampered a little bit by injury and and um, selection issues and, and the way the team's set up a little bit. I think that's held him back. But now that he's got there, I think that must be a massive monkey off his back. Getting the new contract is is obviously um, a great fillet for him as well. So it's I, th- I think there's a massive opportunity for Lee for Lee to really kick on at Celtic. He's um, he's been here now what five seasons, five and a half seasons. So um, I think if he can stay fit and if he can get in the team to start with and then stay in the team, then he's got that opportunity to really kick on. And he's here for another four years, so you think he could easily hit that 150 mark, which puts him in quite exalted um, company, like say uh, uh, Willie Wallace and and Jinky. 
one thing he's got to do is get Dundee United and Inverness Cali promoted because a fifth of his goals <laughs> have come against them. He'll, so, be, he'll be encouraged at Inverness Cali on top of the, the championship. Yeah, exactly. Moment, so. so it's all good news for him at the moment. And I suppose if, the thing is, I suppose if you're a Celtic striker, as you say, he's got another four seasons. Celtic strikers probably looking to score between 20 and 30 goals a season, given the the, the, the way we dominate games and the amount of chances. And the, I think mm-hmm. you touched on it. He's got to stay fit. And, and he, he's probably in his head, he knows that as well. Uh, probably the role of a striker has changed at Celtic as well, which maybe suits him a little bit less. He, When he was, I think in that season, 15-16, when he scored that 40 goals, he was a poacher. Everything was put into the box for him. There's lots of crosses coming in. He just had to really stay up front and be the focal point of the team. Whereas I think uh, the manager likes the centre-forward to um, kind of play deep, to link the play. Um, which is slightly less of Lee's game. He likes to go in behind. He likes to um, kind of get on the end of things. So I think he's got to kind of evolve as well with with the team, probably change, which he has been doing over the past um, past couple of seasons. Um, so I think I think it's it's uh, it's a good opportunity for him. I mean, Tony, you spoke to him obviously the, the day that he signed that new contract as well, and he's a player. He's obviously you know. He's had lots of experience in Scottish football. He went down south as well. He's come back. He's he's obviously found a home here. He, he knows this is where he wants to be, and he's obviously delighted that his long-term future is, is committed to the club. Yeah, I don't think he made any secret about his desire to want to stay at Celtic and potentially finish the the rest of his career here. He is, he is very happy here. He's you know he gets on well with with the players. He really loves working under Brendan Rodgers as well. It's interesting when we were speaking to him after he signed his contract he was just speaking really highly of how much the the manager has uh, improved his game all round so he's high in confidence he's got his future sorted now which will really settle him down and um, you know with Moussa Dembele leaving there's there's a a great window of opportunity for him to really push on and and, and get more goals. Because I wonder as well you know that way I think for any player that when they're not sure about what their long-term future is Maybe that does play in their mind. I think you're you're right, Tony. Maybe just the fact that it's out of the way now. He's he's here for the next few years. That it's just something he doesn't have to think about. He can just focus on what he's got to do to be in the team and then to contribute during the course of a game. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what you want, you know. Especially when you've got a family as well. To know that you're going to be settled for for the next while is um is really good. So he he's been at Celtic for for four and a half years now, and to have scored a hundred goals in that and um. You know, he's he's potentially going to go on to to create a, a great record there. He, he, I think if he's going to break into the top ten, he'd need to surpass Kenny Douglas at 173 goals, which he achieved over nine years. So you know, this going by what he's achieved so far, he he could really be up there with some of the the greatest goal scorers in the club's history. Which is just it's remarkable to to think that. I, I guess because we're living it now, you wouldn't really think it. But if you just need to look back in the last few seasons and what he's achieved, he has a really prolific goal scorer you know he can he can score from outside the box he's he's great at free kicks as well he, he can get goals from a, a number of areas I suppose Craig the, one of the great ironies then about the end of last week was given the fact that, that Lee Griffiths becomes a latest century boy and then he signs a new contract and we end up having a goal in the straw at St Mum Park on the Friday night which yes. is just frustrating all around uh, yeah massively frustrating I think it was it was a night where we started really slow 
and just didn't really get didn't really get going. I think they were obviously buoyed by the fact they had the new manager, which was uh, um, I can't pronounce his name, so I'll just say the new manager, Warren Kearney. That's the man. Um, so it's, it's I think they were buoyed by the fact he came in. Um, there was players like Cammy Smith who'd been um, left out completely under Alan Stubbs came back in, so somebody with a point to prove. They obviously had Anton Ferdinand making his debut, so so I think they they had quite a bit of fight around about them. We started slow, so it was kind of a bad mix there. And then you got the feeling we were coming into the game more with um, Boyata's header and and um, starting to put on a little bit of concerted pressure when the sending off came, and and that kind of set us back. I think um, the positive to take out the ten men was the team showed great um, effort, great mental strength, as they always do when they go behind in terms of numbers on the pitch. But it was just it was very kind of difficult. They they sat back in that second half, gave us a lot of the ball, but it was very difficult to pick our way through it. I suppose Tony, the manager was trying to accentuate the positives after the game. I suppose the biggest positive is the fact that's a, another clean sheet, and obviously Benkovic makes his debut. But you know, the basis for for any successful team is you don't concede goals, and, and we will create chances. You're just looking to, for us to to finish them and and put teams to bed. Yeah, it's it's really comforting to see some stability over a, a good few games now at, at the back with not conceding and Dedra Bayata is a a big part of that. He's he really helps control the the midfield and the manager spoke about how that he helps organise and improve the 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 players around him as well. So it's definitely made a good difference. And then to also have someone like Benkovic who's now just coming into the the squad as well, he he looks really promising. So those sort of defensive worries that we had uh, at the start of the season and maybe during the transfer window I think are behind us now you know based on the availability we have and uh, the last four games with a clean sheet so it's good I think the team now feel that and they're kind of looking to, to push on and be more productive and efficient in, in the last third. Now we've got the before we, we get back to domestic activities this weekend a tough game at Rugby Park we've got the first of the, the group stage games a home game against familiar foes in <laughs> Rosenberg and I know for, for the match programme for Thursday night, Tony, you spoke to Callum McGregor about that game. Yeah, um, he was just sort of reflecting on the, the last time that the, the two sides met at, at Celtic Park. And I think a, a lot of the squad will take confidence in knowing that they've been able to overcome this challenge that Rosenberg have, have put forward the, the last couple of seasons. You, they know what to expect, although they're, they're not in, in any way sort of overlooking them. They know that Rosenberg are going to be really fired up and wanting to extract a wee bit of revenge yeah. for, for being put out in the Champions League so I think they're expecting that from the, the beginning. Conceding that goal early on at Celtic Park um, was a, came as a wee bit of a shock but the, the team responded really well and Callum was just talking about that how they just sort of changed their, their shape after that um, and managed to, to come through and win 3-0 but it's a different Rosenberg team in, in the terms of the, the manager that they had uh, had just come in at, at that point. They've got a good run of games under them now. I think the the last nine games in the league, they've won eight and, and drawn one. So they've got some momentum behind them. And, and Callum was aware of that. He knows they're going to be coming in flying high in confidence and, and looking to, to get back at Celtic. Um, but I think what we've shown, we've got the, the quality in, in ourselves as well, that stability at the back will, will serve us really well coming into this game. Let's have a wee taster of your programme interview with Callum McGregor. It's, a, it's probably a wee bit strange in terms of like European stuff. You know, you don't normally get, get the same team um, that many times in such a short space of time. So, um, so no, we know, we know exactly what they're about. 
um, you know we've played them a lot of times now in the in the last uh, couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know what they're what they're going to sort of bring to the table. We know you know how what it takes to to get a result. So you know the the preparation stuff will be good because we know we know what we're up against. Um, and as I say, we know what we need to do to, to try and take yeah. three points. Obviously, the, the results um, sort of show that as well in terms of you know they'll be flying with, with confidence. You know, nine wins and, and a draw. So you know what kind of form they're coming in as well. They'll be confident, and, and obviously they they maybe feel that they always win in terms of the Champions League stuff. So um, you know we need to try and guard against that, and, and obviously have our game plan to to try and, and bring our game and mm. and uh, make it a successful night. Obviously since Dedrick came back, it's you know he's, he's looked solid and he's really showed up with a sort of backline in, in terms of leaking goals and. Um, you know, as you say, that's four on the spin now. So to get him back and, and playing mm-hmm. so well, and you know, sort of marshalling the, the back ones, then it's it's been great for us. You know, gives a real platform to, to build and and uh, and try and go forward. Cal McGregor, Craig's obviously such an important player for us now, and he's he scored a few vital European goals. Important, I think, for the for the campaign because we've got some really difficult games ahead. We spoke about it in previous podcasts mm-hmm. to get the three points for our first home game. Yeah, I, I think it's massive. It sets a tone for the rest of the group. I, um, the manager was talking yesterday about how interesting it is that you've got Rosenberg coming in. We've played them four times, but this is the first time we've played them in group stages. So it brings on a whole new mentality, obviously, no way we goals at this point. Um, but also it's it's still the same principles in that you've got to keep a clean sheet. It's important that you score when you're home games. And really, it, it's it's an interesting challenge for us this season because the past two seasons we've been in the, the Champions League group stages and it's been a bit of a learning curve it's been making sure you're staying in the competition staying in games and you're playing really high level um, opposition whereas now we're looking to be top in the group we're looking to qualify so it's important we get off to that good start it gives us a bit of momentum the manager spoke about getting to the magical 10 points mark the quicker you get there, then you start to look at qualification, you start to look at topping the group to make your journey easier into the next into the next phase. Interesting as well, you know how quite often we talk about teams coming to Celtic Park in that unique atmosphere in a European night. You, you know, you already said that we've played Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been here twice in the last year, so they their players certainly will not be phased. You wouldn't expect them to be phased, regardless of the atmosphere, because you know they experienced it just at the end of July. Yeah, I think I think there's both things. Probably they won't be that phase because they'll be more experienced in being here, but also they'll have the memory that they were well beaten here last time. I, so that will also play in their minds. I, as Tony alluded to, they're on a strong unbeaten run. They haven't been beaten in the league since the 1st of July, but their last defeat was here. So um, so that kind of holds us in good stead in terms of having a, having a positive sign over them. I suppose, Tony, just the fact it's the group stages as well, I'm thinking that maybe last Friday's game was almost the pre- perfect practice because I, I'm guessing that Rosenberg, who always played defensively here anyway, they're certainly going to go and just try and shut up shop and maybe just take that up an away point, which might prove vital for them. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd expect that based on what we've seen before and, and speaking to the manager yesterday for the Celtic view, that's what he touched on. He, he said he imagines Rosenberg will set up in a similar way that Celtic are used to domestically where teams will sit deep, they, they won't leave much space so Celtic just need to be patient and really jump on those opportunities when they come if there is any space. But yeah, I think... Uh, um, 
Rosenberg will come here and they'll be they'll be quite happy with a draw and uh, they're not going to make it. There's not going to be a lot of space down the wings for Celtic to uh, exploit. So uh, it'll be uh, another maybe frustrating challenge initially, but it's it's just a case of chipping away at them. And I suppose you know over the course of the the next few months we've got the Thursday Sunday games, which are always just are they're horrible. Just mm-hmm. the fact you don't get a lot of time between the games, but given the fact that we didn't we played last Friday night, it's actually given us a couple of extra yeah. days to prepare for the first game to really kind of go off and running. Which is important, seeing we were down to 10 men, because a lot of energy um, expended in that match. Um, it's given the manager hopefully a chance to, to work on a few things. I wonder if he'll if he'll start to look, now that Griffiths is fit, he'll start to look for the two up front again. Um, he obviously spent a lot of time doing that in the summer, only to for that to be disrupted by by um, events over the transfer window. So maybe with Griffiths back in back fit and available and playing his way back into the team, he might actually change that a little bit. Um, I think that'll be quite interesting to see, to see just how we do we do change. Um, I think it'll be a, a, a evolution rather than uh, than a change, given the way the manager's played over the past two years. Well, I don't always do this, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Both of you, uh, what's your predictions and score prediction for Thursday night? Tony, I'll start with you. I think we'll keep another clean sheet. Um, and I think we'll get two, two nil Celtic. Two nil. Okay, we'll take that. I am. You were going to say that as well. That's what you? I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I am, I think. I think it'll probably be about two one. I think there will be a, a sneaky goal near the end to to really keep us on our toes. As long um, as we get the three points. Yes, the, exactly. That's the main thing. Yeah, that's the main thing. Because we've got some really tough games coming up, like Salzburg away, which is going to be a really tough game against Scott Brown. I think. You spoke to Scott Brown recently and he said they, they were the highest pressing team that he'd played against when, when we played them back okay. in 2014. Mm-hmm. So that high intensity that, that we'll be expecting a tough game in Austria. Yeah, I think so. But I think that will you know, potentially suit Celtic if they can just kind of keep the composure and have that organisation at, at the back. If, if they're going to press us, then it does create opportunities and space for, for Celtic to exploit. So, And I think the manager and the players sometimes like that because they're so used to playing against teams that sit in. I think um, every Red Bull team will play with high intensity when they pull. <laughs> is, that, is that how it works? Are you, are you, are you being endorsed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be expecting a case of Red Bull with my doorstep later on. Now, obviously, after Thursday night, we've got uh, another difficult game on Sunday. Is Rugby Park, is it the worst pitch in the Premiership or are, is there poorer pitches? I mean, I know it wasn't just ourselves. It was other teams that complained about it last season. It's obviously the artificial surface, but it, it, it's not the best, really, is it? No, I think it's um, it's one of those where they use it for the community and it's been it's been out there for a while. It's um, it's a bit of a tired pitch. I think Steve Clark's made some good points in that. Steve, Stevie, or Stephen? Oh, that's a good. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I call him Steve when he's when he's around my house. He's called Steve or Clarky, <laughs> but it's just us. Um, I think I think when he was referencing, he's saying they don't get too many knee injuries. They don't they don't seem to get they play on it every second week. They don't get these many injuries. They obviously play some good football since he's arrived. But yes, I think he's he's of the opinion. I think he's towing the party line there because I think he's of the opinion that that pitch needs to be um, relayed. I think they're just debating whether they relay that with grass or they put AstroTurf again. Well, I suppose the last time we were there, it was uh, Malumbu, who's now in our ranks, who, who scored the goal that, that gave them the one 0 win. Yeah, I know that was a, a frustrating afternoon, but. It- it just shows um, what Steve Clark's teams can do. They they are organised and they will sit deep and, and make life difficult. And uh, 
they, they caught us cold that day. But I think, you know, coming into to that game, we'll be off the back of the Europa League. We'll be expecting Kilmarnock to try and, you know, pull the rug from under us. I think we'll be expecting a, a tougher game. I can't see anything like that happening again. And I know I, I'm, I'm not a fan of artificial pitches at all, but it's, they're becoming more prevalent, you know, particularly in the top flight of Scottish football. Yeah, I think the economic state of Scottish football dictates that. Being able to use your stadium all year round, we obviously make a, a big deal of it at Celtic Park in terms of utilising our our um, stadium for events um, all all week um, for external events and things like that. So so you do have to maximise what you've got and, and the likes of Kilmarnock need to use that to A, use it as a training ground and B, um, use it for the community. I think... Um, I think Kilmarnock will actually be a slightly different proposition this season. I think they're attacking much more. They've got a bit more pace up front. They've um, added Greg Stewart in there, who's who's got a couple of feature goals over the past two weeks. He's kind of adding a bit of pace together with Aidan Brophy up front. So that will be a bit of a different test for us. But hopefully that will bring them further forward because they seem to they seem to be playing a little bit uh, on the front foot with those those two stretching the game a little bit more. So hopefully that will allow us. To, to kind of transition and kind of um, break on the counter a bit more. Well, two tough games ahead, Rosenberg on Thursday night, Kilmarnock on Sunday. Hopefully we get maximum reward for both of them. This week's Celtic View, just a few highlights. Uh, Brendan Rogers always speaks exclusively to us, so Tony caught up with him this week. That's a, a good interview that you can uh, read when the, the magazine comes out. Lee Griffiths as well, obviously signing that new contract, the Century Boy, he's the main interview. Connor Hazard, goalkeeper, is the Textagram feature. And we also have a, a really interesting feature, um, people who might have seen it on Celtic TV, but we've we'll, we'll got it in the view, it's Scott Brown's Ultimate Celtic Eleven. We did it before with, with Brendan Rodgers. And I think the only uh, proviso for, for both the manager and the captain was you can only pick one current player and one Lisbon line. So Scott Brown's 11 in goals. It's Arthur Boric. It's a back four of Danny McGrain, Bobo Baldy, Virgil van Dijk, Kieran Tierney's the current Celt. Jimmy Johnson is the Lisbon line. He's on the right-hand side. Then he's got Neil Lennon, Lubo Maravchik, Stylian Petrov, Kendall Gleish and Henrik Larsson. Craig, it's, it's always, I think, when whenever a football fans are asked to name you know an all-time favourite whether it's a favourite club side international side or just a favourite players of all time it's an almost impossible task because as soon as you've as soon as you've picked 11 you'll think well what about him what about him and then you start thinking how do they play in formation because you can't really do a kind of Harlem Globetrotter style of picking 10 forwards <laughs> and a goalkeeper yeah I think I think it's um, that's the main challenge in picking a team because automatically you go to the the glory teams the um, the uh, Lisbon Lions obviously you've got the current team you've got the, the team that stopped the 10 all these different all these iconic teams but it's but it's really interesting to see people's mindset and how they pick the teams so um like you say a lot of people favor attacking players so how do you fit them all in there um likewise and then you ultimately want two first 11s because you've got um you've got so many attacking players and then you find yourself um looking through these teams and and it's really interesting to get into people's mindset and why they pick these players what they liked about them what did scott brown like about bobo baldi what was the what was the kind of connection with and um, playing with virgil van dyke i mean obviously he's gone on to to amazing things at Liverpool, but but what did he see as a as a younger player? So so I think there's it's interesting, especially the people who are in the team just now and players who they played with in the past. It's interesting as well when you look at Scott Brown's eleven. It's always interesting. I think if you asked every other Celtic player to pick, do the same thing, their current Celtic would be Scott Brown. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting yeah. that he's picked 
Kieran Tierney. So I don't know whether does he see some of himself in Kieran in terms of that attitude and you know drive and determination to give evidence for the team. I think so. From listening to to Scott, there's certainly aspects of Kieran's um, character that he's always available. He's always putting in challenges. He's never. Um, he's always uh, kind of um, getting seven, eight out of ten every week. He's this consistent player. He's. I think that's all settles well with with Scott, and I think you can see that from from like the rest of the makeup of the team. So you've got like say Neil Lennon in there, Mister Reliable. You've got Bobo Baldi, who's perhaps limited but always gonna give, willing to give a challenge. Should you say <laughs> uh, Danny McGrain, who really is Katie about um, twenty years ago. So you've got so you've got these players, and you can start to see where he gets this kind of um, mindset from. Tony, I know you you've interviewed Kieran Tierney. We've got a, a book that's coming out in a month or two called This Is How It Feels To Be Celtic and it's a selection of interviews with players, former players, um, celebrity fans and then just other fans from all walks of life telling their story. Kieran's story is brilliant but he he was and remains a big fan of Bobo Baldy. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's, it's quite funny. It was good sitting down talking to him. We talked for almost an hour, I think, once Kieran started uh, talking about Celtic, you know, his, his first and, and only love, he, he just wouldn't shut up about it. So we're sitting there for a while and he was really into it, yeah. And he was talking about the, the players that he would watch uh, growing up when he first started. I think he was. He said he was about three or four when he he, he came to his first Celtic game with his dad and Bobo Baldi would have been in the, and, and that would have been the team at, at the time. And he said, you know, as a defender, that was that was his, his first idol, Bobo Baldi. And um, it's Bobo Baldi that he... Um, has on his screensaver and his phone still oh, to this day. <laughs> Which I think is brilliant, you know, and that is a great picture of the two of them. I think one of the charity games that Bobo came along and, and played with the, put in a few meaty challenges that day. <laughs> There's a great picture of the two of them in the, the changing room. So obviously, as you say, that was, his, that was his hero growing up. I'm also glad to see, I always, Neil Lennon, I always thought when he played for us, he was always underrated. I always thought he was one of the best defensive midfielders around in the game. And I think Scott Brown, having played against him, and then, obviously, being coached and managed by him, he's got a lot of time for Neil Lennon. Yeah, and kind of, and probably he's in a, a brilliant position to speak about it because he's kind of morphed into that similar role that Neil would um, would dictate the play. He would he would close things down. He would help out his colleagues, and you can just see that in Scott's play. So I think um, there there is that there is that appreciation for what he does. Whereas, like going back to my earlier point, everyone a lot of people focus on the strikers and the attacking players. Whereas, um, obviously, there's a, a, there needs to be a balance in the team. Well, you can read uh, Scott Brown goes into greater detail on why he chose each of the players in this week's Celtic unit. It is a really fascinating read, and I'm sure once you do read it, you'll start to think of yourself about what your ultimate Celtic eleven would be, given the fact you can only choose one current Celt and one member of the Lisbon Lions. We're almost at the end of the podcast. Just a couple of wee uh, things to remind you about, which I think for any Celtic fan is worth uh, mentioning. Celtic the musical, which I know all of us here have been to see, uh, more than once it's a fantastic <laughs> night it's still on at the Pavilion Theatre it's just a brilliant night of Celtic celebration uh, so if you haven't already got tickets make sure you get tickets because it really is well worth going to see and also this Friday night on BBC Alba is a, a really moving documentary about Tommy Burns it's on at 9 o'clock it, it features interviews with some of his friends and, and former teammates in particular some really moving interviews with his four children and if you get a chance I would urge all of you to watch that obviously one of the, the greatest of ourselves and a, and a really moving documentary gentlemen thanks as always for joining us on the Celtic Few podcast I think we'll ask you back again oh, yes. 
Uh, we are looking forward, of course, to Rosenberg on Thursday night. And what better way to end the podcast with a look back to our most recent meeting and Olivia Incham's wonder goal just after half time. Charm, he does fantastically well, you know, Celtic work it into him in the edge of the box, and he 